you want to build your brand by being a guest on industry-leading podcasts? If you're a business leader, an author, or a speaker, my guess is that you do. Picture this. You, a dynamic executive easily connecting with engaged audiences, turbocharging your top-of-funnel marketing, and creating a treasure trove of content with every episode. Podcasting is a game changer that you've been waiting for. And PodcastAlly.com is your VIP ticket to podcast PR success. Say goodbye to the ordinary and hello to the extraordinary exposure. Let the Podcast Ally team connect you with the best-in-class podcast for you to be a guest on. Head over to PodcastAlly.com and use the promo code DT for a 10% discount on Podcast Ally services. That's PodcastAlly.com, promo code DT. Welcome to High Octane Leadership with Donald Thompson. This season, we're diving deeper with more solo episodes, where I'll share the experiences that have led to recognition by EY, Forbes, Fast Company, and others. Not as a boast, but as milestones on my entrepreneurial path. From growing multi-million dollar firms to successful business exits and building high performance teams with a global perspective. I'll reveal the insights and strategies from my journey and share them with you so that we can win together. Alongside these solo episodes, we'll have industry visionaries and thought leaders, and we'll explore effective leadership. Ready to empower your leadership journey with real success stories? Let's embark on this transformational journey together. In this episode, I'm joined by Jason Gilligan, CEO of EarFluence and Podcast Ally. EarFluence is a full-service B2B podcast production company that helps businesses and thought leaders build brands through their podcasts. Their audio and video podcasts serve as a top-of-funnel marketing for clients, leading to repurposed content and business development tools. Podcast Ally, a concierge-level podcast guesting service, provides podcast PR and guest bookings. Jason, thanks for joining me. Donna, I appreciate you having me on the show on your podcast today. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about mastering the art of smart choices through the lens of a book that I'm reading that you recommended called The Six Thinking Hats by Edward de Bono. What's happening, Don? Hey, what's happening, Jason? Yeah, man, this is, um, you know, we'll, we'll dig into it, but I'll tell you as a backdrop. I've been using this book personally and in working with leaders for over 20 years now. Um, and, and that's just how strongly I feel about the content of it and the way it helps you shape thinking. And, you know, when we think about business and growth, um, and a lot of this will apply to, to what you're doing at EarFluence and the things you're, you're doing, a lot of people don't have a board of directors. So how do you shape your thinking to create that multimillionaire mentality, right, when you're a leadership team of one? right? Figuring out how to grow your business. And so my mentor, Grant Willard, was thoughtful enough and knew I loved to read. So one of the things Grant figured out early on in our relationship is one, he could tell me something to do. I'd go do it. I'd run through a wall for him. I was very, very coachable. But if he taught me a thought process, I would apply it to 10 to 15 different situations. And once he figured that out about me as an individual, as a personality, he started feeding me certain books that would give me a, a, 
a, a broader perspective, right, on winning in the workplace. And one of these books was The Six Thinking Hats. And so I'll go over this for audience really quick, and then we'll dig into to how it rolls. And so basically, what Six Thinking Hats does is it gives you a framework of how to think all the way through a problem. And so the first hat, and you can use them in any order, but the first hat is the white hat. Facts. What are the factual things that you know about a particular situation? Second is black hat. What are the things that could go wrong, the risks? Yellow hat. What is the upside? What are all the good things that can happen? Why are we doing this? Red hat. How do you feel? What is your emotion? What is your intuition? Green hat. New ideas. Innovation. How can we do things different? And then blue hat is your operations, your project management, your time, your delivery, your effort, your profitability. So those are the six thinking hats at a high level. But one of the things that it allows you to do is just think about it like this. One of the things that you just did successfully at your firm, EarFluence, is you acquired a company that was in the podcasting space, right? but had a different set of offerings for clients than EarFluence did. So one of the things in business that happens all the time when you're trying to expand is do I buy a company that has the skills and the assets that I need? Do I build those assets internally? Or do I partner right, with someone that has those skills? So in using the six thinking hats, you can go, okay, wait a minute. What are the facts that I know? How much does a person want to sell this business for? How long have they been in business? How many customers do they have? Do they have an infrastructure and a, a process for how they acquire customers and keep clients happy? You put all of that into that white hat bucket. Black hat is, all right, what if nobody really wants this new skill set, new offering? How long will it take me to learn their methodology? What if the person that's selling the business really didn't have a well-thought-out process? It just looks good on paper, right? Then you think of the yellow hat. Man, if this works, I could triple my revenue in the next 12 months. I can raise the value of each customer. You then look at, <clears throat> how do I feel about it? Man, it'd be cool to buy a company. That sounds good on LinkedIn. Press releases are awesome, right? I feel like I can get bigger faster. What does my intuition say? Do I trust my new partner? Do I feel good about what they're bringing to the table? The operational hat, which is the blue hat, when do we want to acquire this company? What is the paperwork and the legal that has to get done? How does this affect counting? What is the tax implications? These are operational things. And then the green hat is, wait a minute. When I acquire new clients with this new set of offerings, I not only increase my current revenue, but I increase, increase the window of which I can sell products and services and serve these new clients. And you start thinking of ideas. What I just went through very quickly, very briefly, is a way to use the six thinking hats 
whether you're applying for a job, is this the right company for me? Whether you're buying or acquiring a company, whether you feel that you're going to be an entrepreneur or not, the six thinking hats gives you the ability to now, without a lot of emotion, the red hat is emotion, but without a lot of emotion, because most of us make poor decisions based on how we feel. And we make better decisions when you blend how you feel with facts and logic and data. The best decisions are a combination of those two things. And so using the six thinking hats can allow you to spread across a lot of different decisions. And it's been valuable to me for 20 years because Grant, through this book and reading the book, I've probably read the book 10 different times now, and then talking about it and teaching on it, has cemented in my mind where I naturally think through problems, discussions, opportunities using the six thinking hats almost on autopilot. Yeah. I've seen that in our time together. So with you as my executive coach, you will go through those so fast. So I tend to fall in the yellow and white hat. So when I look at something, I'm like, yeah, I, I love this because it is this, this, and this. And sometimes I'll have to look at the facts and figure out, okay, is my optimism warranted? And then when I bring it to you, you bring these other four hats that I'm not quite thinking about. And it's like, okay, well, what are the risks? What, what does your intuition say? What, how do we 10 X what you're already thinking using that, that green hat? And so I've seen this in action even before you told me about this book, which has been awesome. So DT, do you tend to fall into certain initial hats and do the people that you're mentoring fall into certain hats? And is it tough to, you know, start that process of going through all six of them? So I just started smiling as you were talking, Jason. One, because what you said is right on target. It's just like, it's a part of the way I think through business problems, opportunities. And you alluded to something that's really, really powerful. We, we all have dominant hats. Think about all the different meetings you've been in with people over the years. There are some people that are just naturally pessimistic. And they just go to the black hat, the risk, what could go wrong, what's broken, why it won't work. People have tried this before. And that's, and that's valuable too. That is valuable too. It, it, they're all valuable, but they're not as valuable independent. They're not as valuable if you only focus on one hat. That's where you can miss opportunity. That's where you can miss learning. There are other folks that are dominant on the yellow hat. There are other folks that are dominant on the red hat. It's just all about how they feel. So the key is a leader or... We were talking about a partnership coaching perspective, but just think about being a facilitator in a meeting, no matter what your title is. One of the superpowers, yo, man, one of the superpowers of the six thinking hats is I became in charge in meetings where I was the lowest person on the totem pole. What, what do you mean? Like, I would be listening in meetings. And I would say to the meeting leader, the VP, the executive VP, hey, um, Carl, we've had a lot of amazing discussion about the upside benefits of this. Does it make sense for us to talk a little bit about some of the things that might create some risk for us? Oh, my God, Don, that's right. We really got off track. Let's, let's take a look at that. People start talking about risk and different things. Man, Carl, can I, can I just interrupt just for a minute? Yeah, yeah. You know, Julie hasn't spoken up. Julie, do you have any just kind of 
gut feel on this, any kind of intuition. And all of a sudden, through using the six thinking hats and not even saying the hats, but just working the room and getting people to express their perspectives based on different hats, I helped, I did a couple things. I helped the discussion be more complete. I added value in the room. And then here's the thing. People started to look to me for leadership mm. independent of my title. Yep. And so it was phenomenal for me to learn this kind of corporate Kung Fu, if you will. And it allowed me to move through conversations without sounding like a big shot, without trying to dominate the room, but to gently but firmly guide almost any conversation that I was in. Yeah. So going back to solo decision-making, is there a particular order that you go through mm -hmm. these hats that's been effective for you? So let me answer it with the understanding that people know themselves a little bit, that you at least know what your dominant hat is, right? So you read the six thinking hats and you go, oh my gosh, I'm definitely the yellow hat. I am like, oh man, I'm going to make 10 million bucks. I, you start doing spreadsheets and you're getting rich on the spreadsheet math, right? <laughs> so if you know you're a yellow hat, then it makes the most sense to start with your weaker hat. Start with the hat that you most likely would avoid using because that's the mental muscle that needs the most practice, the most work, the most time, right? So I would start with the hat that is opposite of the hat that you most likely would use when you're using it for individual decision-making. Yeah. I've seen that in our coaching as well, or in your coaching as well, where I'll have an idea and it's not that you disagree with the idea but you want to kick it back to me with what could be the negatives just so that I can think through that and be stronger with my convictions. It's, it's like this as a mentor, as a coach, you're on the field. My job is to help you make the best decisions possible with pace while you're on the field. And so well, you know, if there's a high degree of trust, great. But the six thinking hats allows you to coach and work with people where there's a lower degree of trust because all you're getting them to do is use their thinking on a problem or opportunity using a different point of view. I'm not advocating my thinking. So I'll sit with someone and say, John, it seems that you are really, really against this proposal. John, would it be okay if we just did a thought exercise just for leadership continuity, just for thoroughness? Okay, what is it? John, it's very clear to everyone in the room, you do not want to do this, right? You're against this. So I think it would be really powerful for you to take the op opposite perspective. And John, why don't you just come up with five reasons why we could do it? It doesn't mean you agree. It doesn't mean you're changing your perspective. Just give us five reasons why you think we could do it write those things down. John, if we were going to do it, I'm not saying that we're going to, give us four or five things operationally we need to think about. And now all of a sudden, that person that was very, very focused on the risks has now contributed positive and powerful thinking with other hats. It's made that person's input stronger and more valuable. 
And a lot of times, it not changes someone's mind, but it may soften a perspective that they have because they weren't looking at the problem completely. And how many times have we gotten upset with a partner, with a spouse, with a employee, with a vendor, and we didn't have all the information? Mm -hmm. Yep. Right? So six thinking hats is forcing us to gather enough different perspectives, diversity of perspectives in our decision-making so that we make better decisions at scale. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the beauties of this is you can make decisions quickly. So it it takes a little while to be able to go through that mental gymnastics initially to go through it. But where you're at now is you can go through it quickly. Now, one thing in the book is that he said in group settings, sometimes it can take days to go through this because sometimes you're like one person is tasked to check on facts, the white hat. Um, You know, sometimes you'll break from a meeting and say, Sarah, your job is to figure out all the risks associated with it. Bill, your job is to figure out all the facts. Um, You know, uh, John, your job is to figure out what are those 10 X ideas for this. Has that been your experience as well in boardrooms at the diversity movement, uh, you know, in, in your meetings? So two things that I've done using the six thinking hats. One is the way you described is where you assign as the facilitator different hats to different people in the room. Another way to do it that is equally as powerful, just depends on the room dynamics, is you go through all six hats, but you go through each hat as a team. So everyone in the room, what are the facts? Everyone in the room moves to the yellow hat. Everyone in the room moves to the black hat. Here's what you're doing. Number one, you're attacking the problem, not personalities and people. Number two, you're unifying the team because now all you're doing is focusing on delivering the best information the team can deliver across each one of the hats. And it is actually a team bonding and building experience because each one of the things you're doing together. And then at the end, you have a series of whiteboards or a series of those marker papers, whatever, with ideas for the black hat, ideas for the yellow hat, ideas for the, for the blue hat. And the beauty about a thoughtful, robust conversation around six thinking hats for an issue is great decisions start to really bubble up through that exercise. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, Don, um, the red hat is intuition. It's not necessarily quantifiable. Like, where do you factor that in? Is it initially in the meeting or is it after all the other hats have had a chance to go through the process? Then do we pull the room on what your gut instinct is? Like, how does that work out? Think about, so it's, it's a, it's a powerful question and it's a powerful hat. Think about how we make decisions about people, about movies, about books, about things that concerts we go to, right? We make decisions on movies based on a 15 second movie clip. We decide if we're going to keep a song on a radio station based on five seconds. We determine in the first 10 seconds if we like somebody or not. All these things are based on intuition, but intuition is just not blind gut. Our brain is processing all of the different experiences we've had, right? So that in that moment, it gives us that initial point of feedback. And a lot of times, trusting your gut 
allows you to see or feel something based on your experience, based on that sixth sense, if you will, that you might not be able to put your finger on to quantify or communicate quickly. What I would say is don't ignore your gut feeling. If you if you feel like something just feels a little sketchy, it just doesn't feel right. That doesn't mean you blow up the deal. It might mean you look at the facts again. And if I'm buying a business or looking at the business, I go, you know, are these audited financials that I'm looking at or just financials that they put together in-house? I've never done business with this company before. Audited financials are from a CPA under threat of perjury, losing their license, being liable. Audited financials are usually pretty good. Like like when you're looking at a bit like if somebody has audited financials from a reputable CPA firm, those numbers are usually pretty good. But by asking that question, I've gone, oh, wait a minute. These are just, <laughs> you know, they use QuickBooks on steroids and made some shit up. You know what I mean? <laughs> so my gut in then asking some other questions to get more data has sometimes kept me out of situations. Another one, and I didn't catch this until after I invested. So this was a costly, and I mean a costly miss of the, the Red Hat. I was talking with two founders and the business looked good. The idea looked good. The other investors investing with me, I mean like rock star people, like way more money than me. Like I was putting in this small amount of money, like it, all good, all good, right? But the two co-founders were like disagreeing on key points in front of us, going back and forth. But the business looked good. The financials looked good. The opportunity looked good. It ended up these two founders had a falling out, blew up the whole business. And if you had listened to your gut. And if I'd listened to my gut, here's what I would have done. If I'd listened to my gut, I would have, I would have taken them both for drinks mm-hmm. together and, and individually. Mm. And got a feel for who they were as people. And that's an example where not listening to my gut, my gut doesn't necessarily tell me to do or not do something. My gut, usually that emotion, that feeling to check out something more. And if I had done that, it would have saved me a lot of money. Yeah. So do you live in the, or is your primary hat the yellow hat as well? That's a good question. Dude, I don't, I don't, I don't want this to sound like too egotistical, (laughs) but like at 25 years in the business game, my hat is the hat I need to win that situation. Mm. My hat is the hat. My dominant hat has nothing to do with how I feel or my skill set. My dominant hat is going to be the opposite hat of the dominant hat of the person I'm talking to. Okay, let me ask you this then. So have there been any other situations? You, you mentioned one, and that's a great example. Have there been any other situations and you've had a lot of wins in your career. You've also had a lot of misses in your career. A lot of L's. <laughs> a lot of L's. Um, but uh, you, you know the six thinking has. You've been working it for 20 plus years. Have there been any situations where you're like, I wish I would have looked at the black hat more on this? Um, or I wish I would have gone through the facts, the white hat more? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I, for like, I mean, early – because. 
you ask the question now, but like if you go in the past, my yellow hat was so dominant. I'm a business development uh, professional, sales professional. So my thing is I can outsell anything. As long as the product works good enough, mm-hmm. I'll fix it. We'll fix it. Yeah. And one of the examples that um, I wish I'd have looked at the black hat and the blue hat better. It was the operational hat that cost me because most of the successes I've had in business have been investments where I was hands-on or at least on the board that had good oversight. Where I've lost money is where I've just put money in and kind of turned over a business to somebody else. And I missed some of those operational levers in, and I absolutely lost money. Yeah. Because I, I, I thought that I was good enough to make a decision about that business, that person, without good governance. And I absolutely, it absolutely cost me, cost me money. Last question for me. Let's look at this from a DEI lens. And the reason I'm saying that is when you've got different backgrounds, when you've got different perspectives, that can likely apply to the different hats as well. Um, have you seen that like with people with bif- different backgrounds tend to navigate towards certain hats? And then how do you look at that in, in meetings? That's a good, these are, these are good, good questions. I'll use some generalizations just to answer it, but like in general, men gravitate towards the yellow hat of ideas that they've sourced and it's just going to be okay. And a lot of the women leaders that I work with navigate towards the blue hat, which is the how to actually get shit done. Mm -hmm. And when you are big on the yellow hat, you don't want to talk about all the details. You just want to get started and you're going to figure it out (laughs) and the money will follow, the project management will follow. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. why do we got to understand all this stuff about time, effort, energy, and, 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 and outcomes, right? And so that's where it breaks down a lot on gender. Right. And then uh, I would also say that women leaders, in my experience, right? So, not getting in any trouble. This is my experience we're talking about. Um, that intuition component is really strong and good. And male counterparts tend to discount it. Mm. And a lot of times, uh, women leaders ask more questions. Male leaders, I got the gist of it. Let's go. We figured out while we're running, right? And women leaders are like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Who's doing this? What time is this? How much is it going to cost? What is my responsibility in this? How are we going to be measured, right? All of these things are good, but I do see that there is a gender component in terms of how we make decisions, how we think about things. And I think a lot of times uh, women leaders score stronger in in my experience in that collaboration component. And they don't want to make decisions until all the ideas or elements are heard and thought through. Hmm. That's great. And I think that that balance, you know, it's one of the reasons if I think about, huh, this is a quick fact. My businesses that have been successful have had women leaders in key roles to help me not do dumb things fast. 
that's that's not a coincidence. <laughs> that is not a coincidence because I really wanted to slow down and think. Okay, where have I made money? Mm-hmm. Right, and what has been the structure of the teams? And interesting, <laughs> but but very very true. Yeah. And I think that you know a lot of times what we want is we want equity at work for everyone. And I'm talking gender right now, but we can't run away from that. People are wired differently. And so if we understand the way that we're wired, whether it's gender, whether it's experience, whether it's sexual orientation, whether it is geography, whether it's generational, people are wired differently. And those differences add very powerful value to conversations. And the six thinking hats framework just allows us to slow down and make sure different points of view are heard in the discussion, in the decision-making process. And that makes you and gives you the opportunity to make better decisions. Awesome. DT, this has been fantastic. Anything else else that you want to add to put a bow on this conversation? I would just say that you know, I've had a lot of successes. I've had a lot of failures. I think this is one of the top educational nuggets that my mentor has ever shared with me was this book. And I literally cannot overstate the value of using this mental model to help you make better decisions with pace and at scale. Awesome. Don, thanks so much for, uh, having this conversation with me and uh, and recommending that book. Jason, always a pleasure, man. Proud of what you're doing. Big, big fan of all things Earfluence. And uh, and I can tell that you're using six thinking hats more and more. You're getting stronger and better. Trying. I got to get out of only yellow hat mode. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>